When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Wild, your assessment, of course, they had the uh, they had the win in Vancouver about a week ago now. Then they went to Calgary and lost. Then they got waxed on Friday by the Oilers, but came back and beat Montreal, what, scored seven goals on uh, Tuesday night. So your, your assessment of where things stand right now. Don't get too high and don't get too low. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Amen. a roller coaster all year long. And that's the way I feel. I, I, you know, even in the 7-1 game, they played well against Montreal. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Niemi wasn't very good in the Nets for Montreal. And, you know, whether we like it or not, this is goalie-centric hockey. You know, goaltender is far and away the most important person in either team. And if somebody's real good, you're going to get beaten. If your guy's bad, you're going to win. I mean, lose. Yeah, exactly. So, Dubnik, your your assessment there, because it's now now this m- might be what the kids like to call recency bias, Lou, mm-hmm. but it does seem to me like the rough stretch that he went through up until the Montreal game. He's had some stretches before where he has not been great at times, uh, and he certainly had some stretches where he has been good. But it did seem like that rough stretch was especially rough. It was especially rough. Probably uh, his roughest stretch for the longest period of time uh, that he's had as a Minnesota Wild player. But uh, he he looked better in the Nets against Montreal. He plays confident. And, and you really got to believe that, uh, you know, I, I don't care what position you play. You're going to have times that things just don't go right from you. And then, you know, you got to just battle through it. And you have to understand that uh, there are times like that, just like when he got hot, when you couldn't put a, a bowling ball by him yeah. or a pee. Either one. I mean, it, the guy just was. Uh, he played his best hockey, I thought, <clears throat> as a member of the Wild that first month. What's your assessment, too, though? To back to, to your point of don't get too high, don't get too low, Lou. What, what's your assessment of of what that means, though? Because I mean, coaching wise for Boudreaux and GM wise for Fenton, that's got to drive you crazy. Because there's times where you think to yourself, okay, we're definitely on the right track, and then there's probably times you think to yourself, all hell is breaking loose, and things have gone very wrong. Well, you know, both of these guys have been around the game a long time, so I'm sure, as frustrating as it can be, they're also very aware that uh, that's what sports and hockey is all about, and you've got to. You got to find a way, as leaders of the team, manager, coach, to display a really sense of uh, confidence and, uh, shall we say, not maturity so much, but uh, of belief. Yeah. And and this is, you know, is what the players are looking at. This is what they see, and this is what can fuel them to get better. Is uh, they having the feeling that you believe in them, and and you know. 
things go back bad, but they're going to get better. When do you think uh, Paul Fenton makes his first trade? Well, I think that uh, had they lost against Montreal and say even uh, tonight, yep, I think you would have seen the trade this week. Really? I, really okay. do. I, I, I think that some way, somehow, when you're going through the stretch that they went through here just recently, uh, you start feeling that, well, if they can't get it right, maybe I can get it right. Maybe I can do something that just changed the, the dynamics in that locker room. And he wanted time to look at the team, and, and he got it. And now, you know, what are we in, 30-some games? So mm-hmm. that that's a significant amount of time where you've got a, I think you've got a really good read on on what's going on. And so uh, if if you're getting concerned, you might – you know, you might just say, "Well, uh, I might, I might pull a trigger in this or that." Best guess uh, from you, Louis, about who you think might be traded first, and just as importantly, not a player, but what type of player or what position do you think that Fenton would be trying to get back in that in that first trade if he does uh, something here shortly to shake things up if uh, the struggles come back here? Well, I think it's probably going to be a wing, and it's uh, going to be someone that could score goals or potential to score goals. I say that because uh, one of the problems they had was the inconsistency of the goal scoring, five on five, and and so you know that there's been a lot of interest in a couple of guys there, and so I'd have to say they're the most obvious targets, and they've heard their name for years, and especially in Coyle's case, him, and the other one being Nina Ryder. When when you when you try and factor in. Who can you trade and what can you get for him? Mm-hmm. Right away, you got to say who's not available. So you put on the guys like Parisi's not available. Right. Stahl's not going anywhere at his age and his production. Zucker has been their best goal scorer next to Stahl over the last two years. He ain't going anywhere. And and then then you say, okay, if I'm another team, who do I want? Koivu's older. He's not going anywhere. So <laughs> if you're a team trying to deal with the Wild, who are you looking that? possibly has a bigger upside, and that's going to be Coyle or Niederreiter. So the Coyle uh, goal against Montreal was mm-hmm. a thing of beauty, right? I mean, that yeah, was gorgeous. A, that was like that's a great goal. Like if if you if you see that goal and you don't know a thing about Charlie, I think you say to yourself, "Man, that guy scores thirty goals a year." Uh, mm-hmm. How do how do you go about possibly getting? And he doesn't have to play like that every single game, but the talent's there. Is there a way to get that more? Because it, it's not that he doesn't work hard. He does work hard. Is there yeah. a way to get that? I don't know how, because uh, if I would have known, I'd tell him myself. Oh. I mean, that was a great <laughs> goal, Louis. I think one of the things is, so, uh, if, if there's one thing about goal scorers, they shoot the puck. Mm-hmm. And there's one other thing about goal scorers, they believe they're going to score goals. And I think that Charlie's got to get that mindset. I can score, so I'm going to shoot. And and that's something that I, in my estimation, and I I personally have told him when I've seen him in a few things sometime, uh, you got to shoot the puck more. Yeah. You just got to shoot the puck more. It's not a secret that the guys that lead the league in goal scoring usually lead the league in shots on goal. And and if if you look at a Cicerelli or you know you look at Bossy Esposito when he got seventy six that first year, I think he had twice as many shots on goal as the next closest guy. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So what what's your th- theory about that? Because it does seem to me like uh, there's a lot of young players now that don't want to shoot first. Well, one of the things is they they like the pretty play. 
They want to make a pretty play rather than just shoot the puck and not re- thinking about it going in, deflected in, or goalie missed it like uh, Lundqvist did in the third goal the other night. I was watching the Tampa game, and uh, and the other thing is that uh, you know they they've come up in leagues where they've been stars and they've been able to hold the puck longer and make prettier goals, mm-hmm. but you don't get that kind of time in the NHL. Not even close, right? No. So you got you got to shoot the puck when you get the opportunity. NHL is a split second reaction game. Yes. And 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 the goal scorers know that, and they and they throw everything at the net. You know, uh, it's just like a defenseman. If you look at the the guys that are really good scoring goals from defense, they don't aim to pick corners from the defense. They aim to hit the goalie basically, because they're not going to be that accurate. It goes right in the center of his chest a lot of time. It'll go to the corner, but if you miss the corner, then it comes out of the zone usually. And and when you get closer to the net, the goal scorers, you know, they're accurate, they're fast, and the goalies are so good right now. You got to get it away real, real quickly, or they get set. It's tough to beat them. The name that comes to mind for for me first is Granlin too. I think Granlin should just shoot. Oh, Granlin, he just shoot the he, puck. You talk about a guy who loves to pass and make plays, and he is the best on the team at it. Yes, but boy, oh boy, you're right. We've seen some of his shots go out in the upper corner. You know, beat the goalie, and it's, and it's a good shot. He's not, he hasn't got a bad shot. He's got a very good shot. No. But some of these guys, they grew up with the mindset like a Granlin. I'm sure if you go all the way back, you look at him uh, playing minor hockey and stuff like that. And, and as Limey's had like a cup of coffee at the goal <laughs> waiting for him, and then they just tip it in, you know? Yes. He just loves that kind of play. But he is capable of scoring more, too, as you shoot more. His although his power play pass on Tuesday night to Dumba was oh, that was yeah. a nice goal. Yeah, and 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 by the way, uh, Dumba getting rid of it the way he got rid of it because the, that puck is basically just landing at that time. And the timing's got to be just perfect, and it was spot on. And he just you know rifled it by the goaltender. That's what Ovechkin does better than anybody in the league. Exactly. And the next best guy is Liani. Laney from Winnipeg. Oh, from Winnipeg. He's, yes. And, and those two guys shoot, shoot off the pass better than anybody in the league. And now Dumbas very close to that. Dumbas shoots off the pass as well as anybody in, in the wild easily and definitely one of the best in the league. And that's a great shot. And and the thing with him, though, is that shot and that goal is why I think you, you should be always when, when you get frustrated, right, when he makes a bad defensive play. And I get it. People get mad. But that shot, that goal, that potential to do that and, and as hard as that, that is defined is why I always say you might be frustrated at times, but you're going to get a lot of good, too, from him. Well, first of all, if you look, he's uh, number one in the league for defenseman and goal scoring. Mm-hmm. And he's on the pace for about 30. And and when you start thinking of that, you say, uh, what am I questioning here? i got to live with some bad if I want all this good. Because he, he definitely is very, very productive. One of, and is proving to be one of the more productive defensemen in the league. Uh, although, Lou, on Tuesday night they put Suter back with him, which I yeah. like. I, I think Spurgeon with Brodeen and, and Suter and Dumba is just fine. And I do like the fact that, that when Dumba does something, if he gets out of position or it starts to break down, Suter can be there. I agree with you. I think, that, to me, that, that's the way I like the defense pairings the best. And I, I see that just because of what you were pointing out. Suter's the best defensive defenseman they got on the team. Yes. And, and he's uh, the most consistent about taking care of the front of the net, cutting off angles, et cetera. And so you want that guy back there if Dumba's going to make a mistake and get caught. 
and the other two are very good together, and they've had very good success in the past playing together. Yep. Dumb and Brodine really feel one another very well. They're they're both smart. They both can move the puck, and and uh, and, and and they're just smart defensemen that are are productive. And so, I I, I love that setup. I I think that that's the setup you got to go with, and you're going to suffer some mistakes, you know, and, and especially with Dumba defensively because. That's what you get when you get a risk uh, defenseman. Absolutely. Know? Brent I Burns, mean, right? Let me tell you, Brent Burns yeah. and Eric Carlson did not win the Norris Trophy <laughs> because they're good defensive defensemen, because they're not. Stay-at-home guys, right, Louis? Yeah, they're not good defensive well, defensemen. Yes. They, they basically should have a trophy for defensive defensemen because those guys never win it. You're right. Exactly right. They never right. win it. The, the weird thing is, is this, because I'm with you on Brodeen. I think he's really good. But for I don't think he stabilizes Dumba as well as Ryan does. And I don't know why, but uh, to, to the point that you, you just brought up before, it feels like Spurgeon and, and Brodeen play off each other very well. It feels like when Dumba's with Brodeen and something breaks down, Brodeen might be there, but but he might not be. Suter seems to me to have a much better chance of being there. And I don't know well, why. And, and Suter is sneaky strong. I mean, he's really strong. And, and, and he's able to, to fend people off – you know, get pucks away from them. Uh, he, he's also very smart defensively. He's been, you know, if Suter won the Norris Trophy, mm-hmm. he was second, remember? Yes. I would say he's the best defensive defenseman of the group in the last 10 years to win the Norris Trophy. Yeah, probably, yes. Because you're, you're exactly right. There should be an award, right, for for offensive defensemen and points and the guys who, who are uh, – more sexy players, yeah, and then the sort of they they are deemed pr- probably to be boring, but they're incredibly valuable because they they know positioning wise exactly w- where to be. They might not get a ton of points, but they are uh, but they're incredibly productive players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 we've seen that over the years. You know, it's something that when you're when you're really building a defense core, you got to be aware of. You can't have all of one. You can't have all of the other. And the they complement one another, and the way you got Dumba and Suda right now, I think it's the best compliment for the Wild to have. But to your point, the Dumbas, I think, are extremely hard to find. Oh, I, I mean, because you, you 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 want them, but finding them, Lou, is a is a journey. I think that can take years, and sometimes can't be done. Well, you don't you don't have that many guys that have the capability of scoring goals from the point that that, that often, and when they are, they're usually a star. You take around a uh, look around the league. Everybody wants to score as, as a defenseman when they get the chance, but few can do it. Mm-hmm. And and there's so many things that go into it, and uh, including the shot, the you know how fast you get it off, the anticipation of going to the right spot to shoot it from. There's so many things involved that it's it's a unique skill, and that's why those guys make a lot of money. That's why those guys win trophies. That's why those yep. guys are such an important part of a team. As we tape this, sir, the Calgary Flames are in first place in the Western Conference with 42 points. Are they for real in your mind? Because uh, the game that they played on Thursday against the Wild looked very good, and uh, it certainly seems like they, if they get the goaltending, of course, from Mike Smith, like they could be a pretty good team this season. Well, last year they were supposed to be one of the better teams, and what you just said was the reason why they didn't make it. Mike Smith wasn't very good last year. Mike Smith is back to playing the way Mike Smith played in Arizona. And if they get the goaltending that they've been getting this year, they got so much firepower, and they do have 
a very unheralded defense for how good they are. I mean, every now and then people will recognize that they're one of the most uh, deep and, and balanced defense group that's in the league. And and when you got all that going from Calgary's for real, they they got some unbelievable forwards in Goudreau and Monahan and Lindholm and. Oh. Uh, that first line and, and, is fantastic, I mean, Louis. You know they they really they they got a lot of good forwards up there, and they're not only good offensively; they're physical. They they'll play the game any way you want. So Calgary's an extremely well balanced team. Goudreau's small, but he's uh, he is oh. super fun to watch. Not only super fun; he's <laughs> he, 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 when you're watching him, it's uh, it's also mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. The guy is just so good with the puck and so smart with the moves he makes. And he's got such great peripheral vision, and when you, it, it's funny to watch guys go and try and check him or hit him because it's like they they got him all lined up and he's not there anymore. <laughs> and 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 he sneaks below him, Lou. I mean, the guy is just he's just an uncanny talent. And he he also has, and Granlin has this to a certain degree as well. But Goudreau's got that ability to see things a split second. Before I think, like yeah, he sees plays and makes passes. Gretzky was, was the all timer at that. Yeah, but it's so much. It's it's inspiring or it's awe inspiring to watch because you said, "How the hell did the guy see that?" Yeah, and 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 the goaltenders, you know, he 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 gets them to move in ways that they they're going to give up an angle that they don't want to give up to the mm-hmm. other shooter, and then he gets that puck right to the shooter, and, and the guy's got like a wide open net, and he is. Uh, he is one of the better players. I think he was drafted, I, I want to say, fourth round by Calgary, third, fourth round. But can you imagine that many people passing on him? But on top of that, Boston Bruins passing on him. Yeah, you're because right. Because he's playing under their eyes all the time. And that just goes to show you what it meant when when teams were just drafting for size. Yeah, that. What, when did that stop now? Four years, uh, three years ago, four years yeah, ago. Yeah, just stopped the last few yeah. years. Yeah, and and uh, and that's the big difference in the thing because uh, look at Clayton Keller from Arizona. Yep. he went fifth overall to Arizona there, and and uh, he's the most skilled player they got in the Arizona team, and he he probably doesn't weigh 165 pounds soaking wet. And that used to be the huge thing, right? Like with yeah. Broughton and all those guys, it's they're too small to play. Yeah, and and and. Uh, the game was different then, you know. I mean, Brod could play because he had the things these guys got, and he's got great balance in his skates. And he was a guy that you went to hit and wasn't there. And, and if he did get hit, he could, he could take it. He's a lot like Granlin. Granlin's strong in his skates for a little guy. Yes, yes. And, and those guys are the exceptions. Most small guys can't uh, stay on their feet like those guys can when they're checked. And and the, for a long time, the game was different. You know, the hooking, the holding, the running interference, et cetera. So small guys weren't as effective as they are today because they didn't get the kind of room they're getting today. It's incredible. If you go back now and watch old games, too, the amount of garbage that, that was allowed and accepted. I mean, you oh. do see the amount of guys that would interfere, would hook, as you just said, would hold. I mean, there was that play was slowed down by so much by all of that stuff back in the day. Oh yeah, when you're back checking the wing, when I played wing, you you get up beside the guy you're you're watching. You're looking at the puck, but you put your stick across his belly and just hold him back. <laughs> and that's I mean that's Tricks what we used train. to do. Or if you the puck's thrown in and the defenseman's going back to get it, yep. a four checker's coming, the other defenseman would come right in front of him and just bump him off. It was interference all the way. Yep. I mean, you could never get the, the the guy picking up the puck, but now it's not the same. 
that was the only good good thing, and it was I think it was a byproduct, but uh, the only the only possibly good thing that came from the lost year was was the rules that got put in when when they came back in what two thousand and six. Yeah, yeah, they, the, that the was the start of right. this. That was the only decent thing. Big, big change, and that was huge. And uh, a lot of it was led, you know, Shanahan was the guy with the rules, but it was led by Mario Lemieux because he used to, he was very upset all the time with all the kind of obstruction really? used to be I didn't know on that. him. Oh, yeah, Mario, they used to, you know, everybody. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, you, it's like when I played one game, I'm, I'm, you know, hooking this guy and holding, and, and our school's a referee. They never do this anymore. He come up beside me and says, Louie, I'm going to get you a rope. Do a better job of holding than you can tie him up to. <laughs> hey, back then, if if you went one game against the Oilers or Penguins, who scared you more at that time, Gretzky or Lemieux? Well, I never played against either of them. No, but, but I'm uh, saying, but at, I would say, GM. I you know, it all depends because Gretzky is you know you know as good as he gets, and there was nobody better. Yet you got to remember, Lemieux was six foot five. And and you could do things to Gretzky to maybe slow him down. Mm-hmm. They're illegal, of course, but it'd be tough to slow Mario down at six five at his size. Yeah, because he was because incre- he was incredible. I I remember. Yeah. I want to say his first game. I, I saw his first game ever in the National Hockey League. I want to say it was in Boston Garden, and I think he scored like three goals or something like yeah. that. And you just yeah. said to yourself, "This guy's going to be special." Oh yeah, Gretzky's the greatest ever overall. And yet in the physical game, you, you know, when there's really a lot of stuff that used to go on, doesn't go on today, mm-hmm. uh, it's tough to slow down Lemieux because he can fight through it. He's so big, so dominant. Mm-hmm. And they're both, I mean, great. Lemieux really became a great player in 1987. I mean, he was a great player, but I mean, the top, he became his best when he played in the line with Gretzky during the Canada Cup in 87. That was a great Canada Cup, too. And because Gretzky taught him how to work. All the time, and and you know how to play, and after that, Lemieux just took over in the league. He was just unstoppable. Thanks a lot, Wayne. Yeah, you're right. He's not good enough already. Yeah. Gretzky helps him. Yeah. Hey, o- Oilers are eight and three uh, since they since they uh, hired Hitchcock as their coach. Is this going? Do you think that this is going to stay that this way? And and is Hitchcock the type of guy that should get that full time job, or is this a a short term burst? And Hitchcock's a good coach, but with guys like McDavid, do you keep Hitchcock around if you're uh, for, for the you know the long term? If you're the Oilers, well, they're going to keep him around if he keeps winning. They're not going to keep winning at eight and three uh, level, I don't think, because they don't. They got they got some good forwards, but they still got some holes in defense and goaltending. So. I, they're still going to have a tough time making the playoffs, in my estimation. But uh, Hitchcock, if they continue to have a winning percentage, you can expect he's going to come back. So I, I heard that he basically, one, one uh, key to his success, Lou, is that he basically tells players defensively, if you go to exactly where I tell you, and you don't differentiate at all, so you don't change that. But if you are exactly where I tell you to be, you're, you're going to, to be successful. Are players receptive to that um, for the long term, or is that something where players eventually tire of of rules? And and it might help. It might. I'm sure he's right, but I'm just curious what you think of the modern player as far as being told specifics, especially on things like that. Well, first of all, if they want to play in the team and get ice time, and you're playing for them, you got to do it, or you won't play you. Right, but and I'm saying long term. 
I'm and saying, then, and then they see that it works. They're eight and three right now. If they continue to win, they're going to do it, or those players get changed. And and he hasn't done it just for a short time. You know, lately the, you know, the teams he's been with, yeah, he hasn't been lasted as long. But remember, he was in Dallas for a long time, and he won a cup. The guy's been successful every place he's gone. He's a hell of a good coach. He's 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 not Jock Lemaire, but like Jock Lemaire. Sure. And and Jock Lemaire, there's no better coach than Jock. <laughs> and and he, he get the most out of what he had, and that's what Hitchcock tries to do too. And sometimes after a while, when you start feeling your oats and you think you're better than that, then you don't listen. Right. And then either you go or he goes. <laughs> I've always told you, Lou, the wild jock is incredible, right? Mm. But but for an expansion team, it's the worst thing because that man could win games by himself. Basically, his that's- system was going to work. I I always said. And I, I think we've discussed this before, but you know, those first three years, it's licensed to lose, except Jacques's not going to lose because he was so damn good. That's right. And that, and that was a good thing. Jacques was a guy that could get things done. And the, the good part about it is when you're an expansion team, he keeps every game interesting. You're always in the game. You might lose more than you win, Yep. but you lose close. <laughs> And he keep people keep believing, and Jock did a hell of a job at that. He got him to the conference finals, basically. Yeah, can you imagine that? I mean, that was his system. Uh, I'm I'm telling you, and and the good part about that is when you're if you're a general manager, and you're trading people. Yep. And people think your team's better than it is. Okay. And you get more in trades. That's true, but the bad thing is you don't get the high draft picks that that you get by you know doing what the Capitals did in '75, and I think they won like eight games. Yeah, that's exactly right, and then you, that's the bad side of it. And and uh, people forget that you got to be bad before you're good. Speaking of that, is what the Blackhawks are, are doing, because they still have some good players. I mean, uh, Kane is fantastic taste. But are the Blackhawks crazy, because I like this, or are, are they brilliant? Because they are, and, and you predicted this, and I don't know if you thought that they were going to be this bad, but you predicted that they would be bad, and they are god-awful. Well, that's what I thought they would be because they lost too many good players. Plus, their their best players, their older players on defense, are, are, have gotten older, and and uh, they were left with you know Kane and Taves. Yep. And uh, I mean, he got some other talent. Saad's a good player, but I'm I'm talking about the depth throughout. It, it just wasn't there. It's not there. And and because they were so good for so long, they weren't getting high draft choices. Mm-hmm. And then you know they. they, they the Panarin deal was a, a horror. Yeah, dealing Panarin, and you know, pretty soon you're dealing some of your good guys, and and you know what happens? Uh, all of a sudden, you look at your team, and it's a different team. Speed's different, production's different. You know, the physicality's different. They're missing some of those guys, so they they've got, uh, in my estimation, they got a ways to go. I, I was going to say, do the Taze and uh, Kane contract? Do, does that cripple them for a while, or is there there a way that you can now be bad, get some high draft picks, and bounce back here? No, they're not crippled by their contracts. I mean, Seabrook's contract's going to cripple them. I bet he's got sure. a long-term buyout, and then Duncan Key's really good, but he's got a long one there too. So, but but they they'll get if they they get the right draft picks. I mean, the the Brinkat uh, he scored 65 goals in junior, and he's. He's been a godsend to that team, or they they wouldn't be scoring nearly as much goals. He he uh, he had over twenty five last year or something, maybe even thirty. Mm-hmm. And, and and he's scoring again this year, but they don't have enough of those guys. The Blues too, Louis. 
the Blues are a uh, complete mess. It, it looks like, I mean, Yo got fired a few weeks back, but I think that they're still un- under 500 since then. For a team that planned on trying to bounce back and, and sign some guys and, and made some trades, they are uh, not in good shape. No, that and they are one of the biggest surprises to me. I thought they'd be a lot better. That one really surprised me. But, you know, they never cured the goaltending situation. And if you don't cure the goaltending situation, like I said, it's goalie-centric. And, and uh, no matter how hard they try, if you watched the other night, I mean, they finally won a game. But, boy, both teams, them and Florida, were trying to give it away. Florida's not good. Florida's better than you think. It's goaltending's not good. Real okay. Goaltending's not good, and they got Trocheck out now as their second best player next to Barkov. But, okay, but you watch the team tonight, and you'll be very surprised where they where they got some problems is on defense, mm-hmm. and they're not they're they're a little bit soft. They're they're soft, but the, their goaltending has not been good at all. Not been. I, I watched the third period of them uh, two nights ago against St. Louis. And they, you know, I mean, they gave up goals. They they should have been, they should have been up two nothing. And the guy hits the pipe, and St. Louis comes on, and then they get two. Yep. They come back and score a couple, and then Luongo makes a save, gives a juicy rebound up, and they lose the game. I mean, they uh, they got they got some problems. It's going to be tough to rectify in the short term. Now is is that that the same game that the guy dumped the puck in? It, it hit the yeah. ref in the groin. That was unbelievable. How the hell does it go from he dumped it into the corner, Lou? You you can't even believe how it went in. It was bouncing and digging, <laughs> and it went and it went on the short side between the goalie and the post. Now why the goalie wasn't even at the post, you don't know. Right. I mean, but you can't score off the referee, so it was called off. That looked like it hurt, Lou. It, it, the guy stayed in the ice for a while. The referee the, was down for quite a while. Forget the goal. Yeah. If a puck bounces off my groin, I ain't happy about it. No, he, and I'm sure he wasn't either. Uh, best guess right now, wild, playoff team or no? <laughs> What's your best guess? I mean, they're they're out of it right. They're out of it right now, but they're very close to being that eighth one. Seen they're a bubble team. I want to say they're in. Okay. But I'm not, uh, you know, I, it's really close because it's, uh, Doobie's got to play like he played the, the first month, and and then they'll make it for sure. Hypothetical: If you're Fenton, uh, the deadline comes, and and you're approximately where, where you are now, which is as you just said, a potential bubble team. Do you go after the playoff berth, or do you not, and hope to get the the higher draft pick? Well, I think uh, Craig Leopold already solved that question when he said. We're not in the rebuilding mode. We're in the winning now mode. So, But you came on the Mackey and Judge show last year, and I think very, very uh, correctly put it that that if you're Fenton, you tell Craig all of the right things, and then you come to him and say, yeah, but if we do this, we can get a high draft pick. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it, seriously, I'm torn here, Lou. To buy into it. I'm torn here. I'm personally torn. I'm not torn at all. You're not? Why not? Because if, if I was them, I, I'd, I'd hope that I get the draft pick. Oh, yeah, I can't I'm with worry you. Okay. about making the playoffs one year. I'm totally I, with you. I want to make the playoffs for a lot of years. I want the best player I could have for as long as I can have him, and and uh, you know whatever can help the club the most. Because if you're going to be uh, one and done again, uh, you know I said that to Gordon Gunn when when Madonna was available. I came back after seeing him in February. I said my guys really like this guy. I saw him. He's a franchise player. We're four points out of a playoff position. Now, I could make a deal, and maybe we can make the playoffs. Maybe not. But if I don't make a deal, we're not going to make the playoffs. 
what do you want me to do? He says, do what you think is best for me. I said, I can take the heat because I'm getting out of this in June anyway. <laughs> so I said, well, then you're getting Madonna. And that's what we did. You know, and you're, and you're a thousand percent right. And that's yeah. a, that's that's what I'm saying is, is I, I guess I'm torn because I always go towards, because look, if I look at this team, and, and th- the way that I, I observe this is really simple. I say to myself, okay, this team can make the playoffs. They might not, but they can. But is this a springtime roster? So, like, if I take this into the playoffs, do I see this as a roster that that can legitimately make a playoff run? And I say no. And so, so you can get back to your point, you know, play first round, possibly win a game or two. But I don't think that there's any way in in your mind that you can justify and say, okay, if this team gets in in the playoffs, the odds of making a decent run are there. That's what I'm saying. And, and not only talking this year. Now, just remember, they've made the playoffs six years in a row, which was terrific. Yep. And yet nobody's happy. Yep. Nobody's happy. They're all talking about how far they went in the playoffs. Nobody's happy about that. Yep. So I think that answers your question. Uh, last thing, go for hockey. You you brought this up last week. The goaltender, you said, is good. On Saturday night, he wasn't good. He was fantastic. What was it, 50 Michigan shots yep. mm-hmm. in, in Yost against yeah. them. Uh, and that kid was absolutely brilliant. Well, I know one thing. Uh, I'm sure they're after him, and if I was a Wild, I'd be doing everything I can to sign him <laughs> because yeah. Yeah, that's just another good goaltender to have in the system. And But he, I, I will tell you this, uh, Wild won't be the only team after this guy. You know, this guy played with uh, Connor McDavid and uh, Skinner, a few, all these other kids in Toronto on that great team. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, and he was a goaltender. But... He said I he used to only get nine, ten shots a game. He said my practices were better than the games. <laughs> he didn't get drafted, huh? No. Because and then he went to Penticton. He became uh, you know the junior goalie of the year out there, and then he came to Minnesota. Robson, correct? Yeah. Well, I he didn't know really that. He's fun to watch. He's great. Who 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 found him, Don? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay, that's a nice find there because yeah. that kid was. Well, you know that's because the Gophers have had a few guys go out to Penticton. Okay. And and Penticton's a great. Great supplier of hockey players for the uh, college league for the NCAA's, and usually, you know, North Dakota gets a lot of them. Like uh, uh, Jost was there; it's in Colorado. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they've they've and uh, Stetcher on defense for Vancouver. They're they're all Penticton guys. They got a whole bunch of them in the league. Thanks, Louis.